Hello, my name is Vicki Sparrow, and I bring you greetings from all of the saints in Port St. John, Florida. And I would tell you that I'm bringing greetings on a bright, sunny day. But we, um, we've we had a couple of different storms come through recently. A couple of side effects from hurricanes out in the Gulf come across to our side of the state. So it's kind of a rainy day, but nonetheless a good one to rejoice in. As I record this um, this teaching today, or this little devotional, our nation is in the midst of, I think, what the world would call an election crisis, most definitely. But we recognize it as saints, as a sila, where we're believing for God's perfect will to be accomplished. We know that God has given some very specific promises concerning these end days, and our focus is on aligning ourselves with those prophetic assignments to pray and declare the fulfillment of the reality. And yet, in the midst of this assignment, there are atmospheres and spiritual influences that are circulating all around us that foster anything but calm, assurance, and peace. In fact, these atmospheres are intent on conjuring up just the opposite. Pastor Ron has spoken to this recently in his teaching about the tree of life and the raw influence. Many of us have felt the increased pressure and the oppression, whether as a manifestation in the natural or as a constant spiritual barrage. And we've certainly seen its results on our friends and family and society in general. But this this whole scenario, as I thought about it, reminded me of something very similar in many ways to an event that occurred in Scripture. It was, just as this is now, an opportunity to not only overcome but to grow in grace in the process, to be further equipped by God to allow Him to do a work in us, as well as to take advantage of opportunities to speak His divine intent into the lives of others that might be struggling during this time. You know, after God's people had been in captivity in Babylon for 70 years, God moved upon the heart of a pagan king named Cyrus to release God's people so they could go back to Jerusalem and and rebuild the wall around it and also rebuild God's temple within it. And God worked through this king, who was not a believer by any stretch of the imagination, in order to reestablish God's original intent in Jerusalem. I, I can't even imagine how promising that mandate must have been to God's people and what joy they must have felt at the opportunity before them. So King Cyrus dispatched God's people with everything they would need to accomplish their mission. He sent them with finances. He sent them with supplies and resources. Even the golden implements of worship that had initially been stolen from God's temple, he gave those to them to take back and put into their temple. And then in addition, King Cyrus sent them with the legal authority to rebuild the temple as he was the ruling monarch of the day. What could possibly stop them? What could possibly keep them from fulfilling their objective? Oh, probably just the usual forces that oppose any righteous vision in the midst of a sila. It couldn't have been an easy task for God's people. I mean, after all, some of them had only known life in Babylon. At least an entire generation or so of people had never even seen Jerusalem, much less known the grandeur of Solomon's temple. And as I was reading about all they encountered in their mission, it seemed very much like the gravity of this present sila that our nation is in. 
God's people back then were continually opposed at every step. And that opposition was very much reminiscent of the raw influence that's at work during this present season. The entire objective of that influence was to destroy the plan of God that he had for his purpose in Jerusalem. And do you know that opposition went on for 46 years? That's how long it took them to finish and complete, to just complete their work. Now that's a Selah. The enemy tried to hinder God's people at every turn. And they used everything that was at their disposal, from outright physical attacks to attempts at infiltrating their ranks in order to manipulate the work they were doing, to even discouraging the people. They even went as far as utilizing the surrounding vassal leaders to try and delegitimize the whole project with Darius, Cyrus's son, many years later because it took the people through the whole reign of Cyrus and into Darius to finish their project. There was even a measure of opposition that rose up from within the camp. Several of the elderly Israelites who'd actually seen the former Temple of Solomon in all of its glory, they joined together in the city streets while the temple was being constructed, and they just wailed and lamented about the lack that they were seeing, how it didn't add up and didn't measure up to what they had once known. And all of this really reminded me for a moment of Paul's situation in 2 Corinthians 12, where he spoke of that continual buffeting that he was living in the midst of. We know God's grace surrounded Paul, just as it did, I'm sure, God's people in this instance, and just as it does with us. But Paul was able to see the value in all that he encountered. Through all of the pressing, through the narrow places that he was in, through the persecution, through the times of discouragement, whatever faced him, Paul saw that as an opportunity for God's dunamis, for God's function, to do a work in him in the midst of all that was trying to lure him into not functioning as an anointed son. Now, the cool thing about this rebuilding of Jerusalem and the temple is that God's people never quit. They never compromised. They stayed true to their calling and task. Even when the enemy tried to befriend them and offer assistance in the construction process, they stood their ground. And they laid claim to their God-ordained responsibility to the task, and theirs alone. They wouldn't even entertain a mixture of purpose, even if it meant more hands to do the work. That sounds very much like the picture of a saintly people on a saintly mission, doesn't it? But it was exactly this dedication, this tenacity, this insistence to complete the assigned task of the Lord, to see the prophetic assignment through to its completion, that brings me to the focus of God's words to Zerubbabel, who was the foreman of that temple construction job. And we find God's words in Haggai chapter 2, verses 21 through 23, where he says, I will shake the heavens and the earth, and I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms, and I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the heathen, and I will overthrow the chariots and those that ride in them, And the horses and their riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, Will I take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, says the Lord, and will make you as a signet, for I have chosen you, says the Lord of hosts. I don't think there's any misunderstanding of God's intent here. His warrior capacity, as the Lord of hosts, was declaring what he was going to do. He would fight the battle for his people. It wasn't even the responsibility of the ruling monarch. 
And God says this to us today as well. These dark kingdoms and principalities that are driving the evil agenda of so many, God will destroy them with his angelic host as we stand firm and hold the line with our prayers, with our persuke declarations, and with our rejoicing and blessing in the midst of persecution and in the midst of the accusations of the enemy. We know God will always accomplish what he says he will do. Now, the other thing that God promised in this passage was that he would make Zerubbabel a signet as a result of his partnership. You know, Zerubbabel was no different than any of us. He was an individual who simply took God at his word and accepted the burden of God's heart in the midst of a perverse world system. He was willing to stand firm in his assignment, even when he was being pummeled from all directions. And he was a voice piece of righteous truth as he encouraged others to be and do the same and to complete the task before them. And he did this in the midst of some very bleak-looking scenarios, not unlike some of the atmospheres we're serving in the midst of today. He did this because he, like us, believed what God said. His only objective was to complete the mission so the prophetic promise could come to pass. This is what caused the commander-in-chief of heaven to declare that he would use Zerubbabel as his signature ring, as his seal upon the prophetic promises that God had given. That temple work that Zerubbabel was overseeing was the place that would welcome in God's presence and even one day welcome in the presence of God's Son so that an intimate relationship could be established between sons and their Heavenly Father. God laid the efforts of Zerubbabel into the very foundation of that prophetic work that he was establishing. When God said he would make Zerubbabel as a signet, that word make is the Hebrew word sum, which means to lay in line with what God is doing. So Zerubbabel literally became the signature of God's authority in this critical business transaction. And that's a word to each of us, because God's using us in the same manner. The work that he asks us to construct in the spirit realm now is sealing the deal on his prophetic desires, we know of many, many things that he has prophetically declared to us that he's going to do. And as we continue to join our efforts, to join our hearts and our intercession and our declarations with, with these prophetic promises that he's given us, we are the signature of God on those efforts. And they're going to be of magnanimous nature in the future days. Yes, there may be a continual buffeting that targets our soul man, but what do you think Zerubbabel learned about himself over those 46 years? I'm thinking the same types of things God's teaching and equipping us with during this time. God will fight the battles, but he's using our intercession and declarations to seal the deal. When the spirit realm sees you, they literally see the authoritative signature of the Lord of hosts. God has been honing the declarative capacity within us so we can utilize it as an effectual weapon in the coming points of warfare. I'm pretty sure Zerubbabel utilized that same weapon over the course of that construction project, even while the enemy poked and prodded it from all sides. So we just thank the Lord of hosts that he has chosen us to be his signature on his eternal plans as we continue to be about applying ourselves to his business. 
We authenticate what the Lord of hosts has said. We are the seal on those promises. We are the conduit through which they will be fulfilled. God will go before us and ensure a pathway for them. But we are the living proof through our faithful ministry to him that they will be fulfilled for sure. I bless you all in the name of the Lord. Bye.